Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And this is where we take all of your questions, which we said this last week. It is true again this week. There's nothing happening <laughs> in the building because the players are all gone. This is the dead time here. of year. Yes. So we need your questions. This is when all those Looks good like hypotheticals. Some. We got a lot of people telling us where they're watching from, which we also love and is, is so cool. We got people from all over the place. I think I've even seen like a Germany and a, we've seen a London and I've seen Maine London. and Texas and We're Pennsylvania and all sorts of places, Arizona. Um, so yeah, so we've got a lot of, of, of people watching from all over the place but this is where this is the time of year where any of your hypothetical questions especially things about training camp position battles questions about depth all that stuff this is where we love hearing what you guys want to hear from so as we give people a chance to start submitting some of those questions I figured I'd ask you when you go into training camp how do you tend to approach it of what you want to know what you feel like training camp can show you that you haven't necessarily gotten to see the rest of the offseason and is this year similar or different for you mm. of what you're approaching what you're going to be looking for okay. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious that when you go into camp, you know, that's when the pads go on the third day in, and that's, so that's when the position battles really start happening. So you, you can't really get a good feel, as you know, for the offensive and defensive linemen, uh, really even most of the positions other than the cornerbacks and the receivers um, and safeties. You can't get a very good feel for them until they actually start having contact. Right. So if there's a couple positions you're worried about, like or, or not necessarily worried about, but you don't know who's going to be the – starters that's what you're looking at the most but this camp is different and it's going to be intriguing and interesting because of the the switch of scheme on defense I mean this mm -hmm. team has not done a three four base now I know it's true and every and the coaches say it all the time that like every team they have elements of the three four and the four three but the fact is the base defense is a three four and we haven't had that in Tampa since 1990 I think and that was right before I got here so I've never seen a three four for the Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to be interesting to see not only what that looks like, but who fills the spots. I mean, who, who are your outside linebackers, especially if Jason Pierre-Paul is not out there because of his neck injury? Who are your two outside linebackers? Who Who's the backup? I assume you know who your inside linebackers are, Devin White and Levante David, but who's the primary backups? Mm -hmm. What kind of rotation do they have? What kind of rotation do they have of the three defensive linemen? Where do those three defensive linemen line up? I mean, it's just going to be interesting, interesting to see how they're deployed. I right. mean, you know, a 3-4 defensive line can mean, you know, a nose tackle. Is that Vita Vea right over the center? Or right. do they play more in the gaps? Is it a one-gap? Is it a two-gap? They've said it's an attacking-style defense, so it's probably more of a one-gap type of defense. But there's a lot to learn about what this defense is going to look like, and that's completely different than anything we've seen in camp before. So that, to me, that's the most exciting part. Yeah, that's going to be great to watch. Um, we had a question from Clifton who said, what do you think are going to be the uh, – Yes, Clifton. Clifton Smith. Um, what are going to be the strongest position battles going into training camp? Yeah, to me the biggest one, and you and I were just writing about this mm -hmm. the other day, check out next week. We always do roundtables during the 4th of July week mm -hmm. when the office is closed, and one of our topics is – I think I worded it as most important or most interesting position battle, right? Yes. Because it can be one or the other. Right. I mean, um, I think the two big ones are safety – Simply, that was my choice mm -hmm. in our thing. Simply, be, spoiler alert. Spoiler. Simply because there's two positions there, and you could, you could easily convince me of at least six or seven different possible combinations that could fill that. Yeah. I could easily believe it's just Justin Evans and Jordan Whitehead who were the main starters last year, or Mike Edwards and Jordan Whitehead, or Mike Edwards and Justin Evans, or even a guy like Kentrell Bryce. You know, you can combine those guys in a lot of different ways, and I could easily see any of them happening. To, so to me, that's probably the most interesting one. And then another very important one, uh, for obvious reasons, is kicker. Mm -hmm. um, I know that Matt Gay being drafted, everybody's going to assume he's a shoe in for the job, and I do consider him the favorite. 
but uh, I, I think it's a real competition. I think if Cairo Santos beats him out, he beats him out. Yeah, which is going to be. And that's important because yeah. we've been trying to stabilize that position since Connor Barth tore his Achilles heel in a training in a um, charity basketball game right before training camp. And a, a kicker battle is always, you, you can tell a little bit easier. I mean, you just, you see yeah, they each, they go exactly kick the right. same field goal and somebody makes it, somebody doesn't. Maybe they both Good make point. it. It's a lot easier for us to yeah. see how that battle is going yes. than some of those other positions. That's very true. Um, Nicholas said, how are the young corners looking? Anyone standing out that could be a starter this year? Yeah, um, they got rave reviews uh, all through the offseason program. And again, that is a position where you can see a little bit more about how well the guy's doing. Not all the way because, you know, this is going to be – they're not going to press on every play, but mm -hmm. this is going to be a more aggressive defense than we're used to in terms of pressing and man-to-man -man coverage. And you, you can't really press. You can't put your hands on them. So we haven't seen a lot of that yet. But the, uh, the young guys, including the safety, Mike Edwards, but the two corners, Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy-Bunting, drew a lot of praise from the coaching staff during the offseason. Take that as you wish. You know, I mean, I think people are generally optimistic that time of year. But they did look good. They made a lot of plays right. in those practices. Um, Sean Murphy-Bunting was a playmaker in college, he, he got his hands on the balls a lot. He got a lot of picks and stuff, and that's what we need. And Jamel Dean is just really an athletic freak. He's very, very fast. He can jump through the roof. Um, you know, he his draft stock probably was a little lower simply because he, he endured a couple injuries during his college career but came back from them. So mm -hmm. if he was – if we were able to get him in the third round for that reason, but he's really a, a better talent than that, then that's a that could end up being a steal for the Buccaneers. Yeah. I think that at least one of those two – rookie corners, if not both of them, are going to be heavily involved in the defense this year. Okay. Uh, Marcus said, what would be the big difference between this training camp and the years past? Well, you just asked me that question. Well, I think that he may be saying, like, I don't know, practice times. I mean, there could be anything oh, yeah. besides not just what you're watching, but yeah. is there anything different about training camp <laughs> the itself? The fact that most of the practices are late afternoon and early evening is mm -hmm. different, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, that's, that's a big difference in terms of what the conditions are going to be like. You know, some – some coaches have tried to do their practices primarily in the morning before right. it gets too hot. Um, this is not that same yeah. approach. I guess they're hoping that it will have cooled down a little bit from the absolute peak of the heat and humidity in, in the mid and early afternoon, but it's still going to be hot. Yeah. So I think that's a big one. And then the other part of it will be this thing we've talked about a lot where we have so many coaches specifically. One of the main reasons for that is so that Bruce can do what he likes to do and split the, the mm -hmm. uh, some of the practices into two, some parts of the practices where you have – basically two different practices going on in the same moment, one with mostly starters and one with younger guys. Right. So there'll be a lot to watch. Okay. Uh, Nick asked, is Devin White already a leader of the defense? It sure seems like it. And, and it seems a little crazy to say um, for a rookie, but that's what his teammates have been saying about him. And mm -hmm. he's definitely vocal out there. I think the guy is just going to be a natural leader. Like he's not trying necessarily He's, he didn't come in here and go – I don't think he came in here and said to himself, I'm going to be a leader on this team as well. Right. I think he just kind of naturally acts in a way that encourages other guys and, right. and, and, and energizes them. So I think he's just going to sort of naturally grow into a leadership role. Okay. Um, Brian asked, do you think we're done in free agency or do you think we may bring in a veteran to help out some of our young players, especially in the secondary? In the secondary, huh? I don't necessarily think we're done. I wouldn't – I don't think I'd be able to pinpoint what position it could be offensive line. It could be a running back. It could be something in the secondary. Mm -hmm. um, I think you've seen some clips recently pointing out that Bruce Arians, when he was in Arizona, did have a little bit of a history of 
bringing in some guys after like in this period from right. now, between now and the start of the season. So it's not out of the question. Um, you know, everybody knows the cap space isn't enormous and we still have to sign two of our rookies, including Devin White. So that's a bit of a limiting factor. But it's definitely possible. Okay. Uh, Daniel said, will Carl Nassib play defensive end or outside linebacker? It seems like he's too big to be the outside linebacker because of how tall he is. Yeah, he's going to be, he's an outside linebacker. If you look on a roster, that's how they have him listed. There actually isn't a position called defensive end on this team anymore at the moment. They're, they're either called defensive line, and those are your guys that put their hand on the ground, like Indomitian Sue and mm -hmm. Will Golston and Vita Vea, or they're called outside linebackers. Uh, and that's all the guys – that were defensive ends that are going to sort of be stand up and sometimes hand on the ground pass rushers are called outside linebackers now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at body types, it's certainly Noah Spence is more the size of what you might consider your typical 3-4 outside linebacker like Von Miller. Um, he's about the same size, and Carl is taller than that, but so is Anthony Nelson, the guy mm -hmm. that we drafted to play outside linebacker. And I think what you just have to realize is that there's a there's going to be a variety of packages. There's going to be a variety of responsibilities for these guys that we call outside linebackers, and some of them will probably rush more often than others. Some of them will occasionally put their hand on the ground in a four three, which I think is something that Carl Nassib would do. Um, some of them will more uh, more often drop into coverage, and the coaches have said that they said we're going to find out with these guys when we get into when we get into training camp. They're going to do all those things, and if this guy happens to be good. Dropping into coverage, you're going to see him drop into coverage more. Right. If this guy happens to be really just good at rushing passer, then you're going to see him rushing the passer more. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Carl's height means he can't play outside linebacker and occasionally drop into coverage. Right. I just think they will discover what these guys do best and deploy them that way. Okay. Uh, Isaac said, I know Ronald Jones is getting a lot of hype, but how has Peyton Barber looked as far as progress? Again, you can't really tell with the running backs, and that's why I always have a little bit of grain of salt with that Ronald Jones hype. It is interesting that everybody's praising him. I think that's positive mm -hmm. and encouraging, but you can't tell yet. Right. They haven't, you know, every running back, every <laughs> handoff goes for a 40-yard touchdown, right? right? Uh, so I don't think you can tell any difference in what Peyton Barber looks like now than he did at the end of last season. But – what you can say is that the coaches reviewed the film of him and liked what they saw. Right. That's a good point. Um, and he's gotten better every year, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, I know, especially harder. his comfort with the playbook is just massively different. His assignment, that was definitely his, his rookie year, his blocking assignments and stuff. Oh. That was really what he talked about struggling. Yeah. And now he just, Which the comfort big. level is yeah. just so much better. Um, Alan wants to know what the wide receiver rotation is looking like so far. Well, um, you know, we had a couple guys that were not practicing for a good part of the last couple of weeks of the offseason program, so it's hard really to tell what the exact rotation is. You know, Mike Evans wasn't out there. He was out there on the field, but he mm -hmm. wasn't practicing. Brashad Perryman missed time. Um, so to tell you what the rotation is right now, there really wasn't one. Right. Um, I think you can guess that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are your starters. It's been made clear that Chris Godwin will also play in the slot. Brashad Perryman – uh, maybe would be your third guy when when uh, Godwin's in the slot. And they really talked up uh, Scotty Miller a lot. You know, I think that's a guy they said can play in the slot or be an outside guy and take the top off the defense. But I think, listen to James talk about him, he thinks he could be a really useful guy in the slot. Mm -hmm. So that's those four guys. Justin Watson did a lot of nice things. Um, it's, it hasn't come together yet. There's right. no rotation at this point. Uh, I like this question. Michael said, we've talked a lot about the defensive scheme, but uh, what is happening with Byron Leftwich's scheme and how will he might be maximizing our offense? <laughs> so we've talked a lot about 
what Todd Bowles brings, but right. we haven't talked nearly as much about Leftwich and what that could look like. Well, we don't really have a lot of information to go with for mm-hmm. Todd Leftwich as a play caller. Todd Leftwich. <laughs> hey, th- that'd be a heck of a coach right there. You can just do everything. <laughs> just combine them together. There you go. Um, we don't have a lot to go on because Byron Leftwich has been a play caller for part of one season. That was last year, and he and he was really just using the offense of the guy that, that they let go. Mm-hmm. So his own scheme – which I'm sure is heavily influenced by what Bruce Arians wants to do, um, is really not. It's it's really not all that well known yet. And I, we kind of don't want it to be. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. And I think we would. I think you just have to uh, assume that his philosophies will be in line with Bruce Arians, who's made it clear on mm-hmm. all, among a number of things that um, he wants to be aggressive. Yeah. Um, he wants to throw the ball down. He wants to take shots deep. And I think they want to run the ball more than we did last year. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but that's like I think you made a good point there. That's not really all that well known, and let's keep it that way as long as possible. That's true. Uh, Nick said, "Do you feel a sense of culture change with this new staff and draft class?" Yes, but you, but honestly, you always do. Right. I, I I think it's great. I mean, there's definitely a positive vibe around here, but I am always a little reluctant to say that because I feel like we say that every year about this time, and mm-hmm. especially if, if we have a new coach. Uh, so yes, it's true, but I can understand. Um, you can't put too much into that, I guess. Right. Um, Nick wants to know, do you think we can have two 1,000-yard receivers in Godwin and Evans? Yeah, absolutely. And we've had that. You know, we had a year, I believe, when Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans both had 1,000 yards. Um, and our offense is actually better now than it was then. So it can definitely happen. And I know I was looking at um, – I think I told you about this for one of our roundtables. Uh, I was comparing him to Mark Carrier. Mm-hmm. Um the receiver who, until last year, was our all-time leading receiver, and Mike Evans got his. Mike Evans actually got both his career yardage record and his single-season yardage record. Um, but Mark Carrier was a third-round pick, like Chris Godwin, in 1987, and he had about 27 catches for 500 yards or something like that as a uh, as a rookie. And then the second year, he had about 55, 57 catches for about I don't know, seven, eight hundred yards. And then his third year was the year where he blew up and, and set what was a record until recently with 1,422 yards. And Chris Godwin's catches and yards and touchdowns in his first two seasons really compare very closely to what Mark Carrier did. And then Mark Car- you know, maybe Chris Godwin is, is going to continue um, to, you know, that progression. And I don't think – you think, well, there's only so many footballs to go around and Mike Evans is, is your guy that's probably going to need 1,500 yards, so are there 1,000 yards there for Chris? And I think there are. I mean, Mark Carrier had Bruce Hill there, who is also a 1,000-yard receiver. So I don't think that limits Chris Godwin. And I think you made a point in our, in our roundtable discussion that Chris is – the only limits that have been put on Chris in his first two years have been simply playing time by circumstance, mm-hmm. right? You know, the first year especially. Uh, last year he got more playing time, but whenever he's had a shot – he's produced. Yep. I just feel like if he's going to be on the field all the time playing outside in the slot, he's going to get so many opportunities that, you know, barring injury, knock on wood, it's it's almost close to inevitable that he's going to be at least an 800 or 900-yard guy, and so that's right there at 1,000. I completely agree, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. We will not have a show next week. Our office is shut down. We all get a little breather before the craziness of training camp, but uh, we'll be back after that to take more of your questions leading up to training camp and hope to see you guys out as many of those open practices as possible. Have a great week.